Amen. Aren't you glad you're a child of God today? No longer a slave. Pray with me. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much that you called us a child of God, that you set us apart, that you made us new. No longer a slave to fear or sin. God, would you just continue to remind us of that this morning? As we look at your word, God, would you just speak to us? We would hear you. We give you all the praise and honor and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I don't know if they told you or not, but uh, pastor's not here. If you haven't figured that out by now. Uh, If you're a guest here today, I am not Dr. Shorter. I'm just Chris Metters. And my daughter asked me a while ago, when did you become a reverend? I said, I don't know. They just throw that in there every once in a while. So uh, I am Chris. I'm the missions pastor here. And it is a privilege, an honor to stand here before you and see some of you. This is a cool thing because I'm in the LC every week. I don't get to see a lot of you all, all the time. So it's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're here with us. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. I, you, some of you probably know this. You were standing in the hallways, and, and you've been here before, so you know when I preach that time is not an issue, right? <laughs> that could be good or bad for the LC. They're stuck. Um, but uh, I, I just I enjoy being here. I enjoy when Pastor allows me to, to speak. And, but we're going we're gonna to strap in, and we're going to go through the book of Galatians today. Uh, I know that sounds like craziness, but let me just tell you this, when pastor only asks you to preach one single Sunday, I don't get to do the series like he does. So I'm going to do a series all this morning, and um, we're going to have a good time. Let me just say thank you for your prayers for us as we went to Boston, left Wednesday morning, got back Friday afternoon, had the biggest blizzard I've ever been in, never drove in a whiteout, it was pretty awesome. Um, if you're on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at C Metters. You understand that I did not take socks and I took vans. Uh, these are vans. And so in a 12-inch deep snowstorm, uh, that can cause a little problem sometimes. It was fine until J.D. lost his car, all right? Um, where he parks it on the side of the road so the plows don't plow it over, but, but it still looked like it was plowed over. But he lost it. We finally found it. He dumped snow down my shoes. So I did recover my toes. They're all good. My fingers are good. I did not lose any of those. But it was cold. And so I say that to say this. Thanks for praying for us. But don't pray for us. Pray for them. Um, because this is their life now. And I am so encouraged. Let me, let me just tell you this, church. I am so encouraged about who God planted there. J.D. and Natalie, Noah and Owen, uh, Mangrum are the perfect people for Charlestown and Boston. Now let me say this, it is not gonna be easy. It is not gonna be simple. It is not gonna be an overnight thing and boom, the church is built. I'm gonna say this, they've planted their lives for a long time, for a long term. And I believe in them. I told them Friday mornings, I just sat there with them and we just cried and I said, listen guys, snow, all this. Now it's hard to see what God has in store for Charlestown but I see it. I see it. And I see that God is going to build his church and the gospel is returning back to Charlestown. Not only Charlestown, but to Boston. Not just to Boston, but New England. That God is working in the midst of all those people. But let me tell you this, it's going to be difficult work. 
And so I pray that you would catch the vision with me, that you would see that God is up to something and that he's gonna build his church. They're planting their lives to transform lives to plant a church in Charlestown. And so would you pray for them? Pray for JD, pray for Natalie, pray for those boys. Um, let, Let me just say this. I mean, this is a different world than what they're used to here. The nations, the nations are there. You, you want to see a diverse city? Just go to their school. We, we stood on the outside, 4 o'clock, Noah gets out of school. 4 o'clock, guess what? We were the only seven white guys there. That's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with all races, all people, all religions, right in one square mile. So it's going to be work, but I know that God has picked the right people, has chosen the right people, set them apart, for that and they're going to do great so pray with me for them and and what they do go to Galatians go to the book of Galatians we're going to dig in I got all right move that clock back some I'm going to change that time I love it guys we're going to look in the book of Galatians I'm not going to read every single verse and we might not even get to all the chapters but I want to I want to get to one thing and if you're taking notes I want you to write this down. This is the one main idea I want you to walk away with. And this is it. True faith in the true gospel truly transforms. I'm going to say it again. True faith in the true gospel truly transforms. I want to I start out by saying this. I believe that with all my heart. Not just from my life, but from the lives that I've seen, from the gospel that we see here in the Bible of what God has done in many men and women. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it on trips. I truly believe that when you truly believe in the true gospel, that your life will be changed. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Let's look at the end of the book first. We're going to start here. Galatians chapter 6, one verse, then we're going to go back and we're going to look at context, background, why we're even looking at Galatians and why it was written. So, but look at this in verse 14. I love this verse. Paul writes this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Amen? Have you been made a new creation this morning? Can you say without absolute doubt, without no doubt, that you know you're a child of God this morning, that you're no longer a slave, that you are a son of God, that you are an heir in Christ? Today, I hope that you walk away from here understanding what true faith is, what the true gospel is, and if you believe in that, you will be truly transformed as you leave this place today. Not because of the words that I say, not because of this sermon this morning, but because of what God has already said in this book. I love Miss Lydia Fernandez to death. She's down in the LC, and right now she's struggling through translating me live. And I saw her a while ago, and I said, I, I, went, I preached the whole book of Galatians. She said, well, I think I'll just read it. 
And a little, little translation joke down there. She kills me. She, she, loves, she said, you talk too fast. I said, well, I got to get it all in. They don't give me enough time. So Galatians chapter 6, it says this, nothing matters, circumcision or uncircumcision. Why would Paul end with that? Why would Paul say that? It's because of why he's writing this book. It's because of the issue that he's dealing with right here in Galatia, in the church of Galatia. Paul started this church. Paul preached the gospel to these people. The very first time these Gentiles heard the gospel, they believed and trusted in Jesus Christ. Lives were transformed because of what Paul, the message that Paul had brought. But all of a sudden, somebody, somebody had snuck in the back door and began to preach a different gospel. Go with me to chapter 1. Look at, look at 1, 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. He tells us right here. Now, now get this. Paul, Paul is very adamant about what he's saying. And, and I, I told the first service, it did not go over so well. So hopefully you guys will understand this. But when you text or when you're typing on the computer, you know how sometimes you get it on all caps and you send it out and then they send back and they reply back and they go, are you yelling at me or something? Are you mad? You know that all caps thing? It's like, I want them to get this. I'm gonna put it in all caps. Paul actually said, listen, look at what large letters I'm writing this because his heart was hurt. He was burdened by this. In chapter one, verse six, he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not too long ago, when I was there first, you heard the gospel. You heard Christ crucified, and now you're turning to something different. But look what he does. You see that long line? It's, it's almost like he wants to mark through that, that different gospel, and he says this, which is really no gospel at all. What does he mean by that? He's saying this, that listen, they're trying to tell you to do something. That's not good news. What I preached about Christ being crucified, the message that I preached to you, that's good news. But what they're telling you to do, to be circumcised, to observe the law, not good news. So Paul comes to him with this letter and he says, listen, I'm just trying to correct you. And my, I, I just want to encourage you. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. That, that, and, and we're going to see in just a second here in 1 and 2 that he defends the message that God gave him. Look with me. Paul, Paul first, he defends his authority and his message. Look at verse 1. What does it say? Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by who? Paul says from the very get-go, he says, listen, guys, this is not my message. This is not about me at all. Jesus Christ has sent me to you. He sent me to preach the gospel. Look, look in verse 15. Verse 15 of chapter 1. He just goes through all the things that he did as a Jew. Then it says, But when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. This is very important to understand. Because true faith and the true gospel will transform a life. But you know what? A message from man does nothing. And I'm worried that just like the Galatians years ago began to divert themselves to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all, they began to believe in something that had no power to change them. They begin to believe. What I'm afraid of is this, that the church today is beginning to believe the same thing. They have left the gospel or they have added something to the gospel. Paul says that is blasphemy. 
And I write this with large letters because my my heart burns for you and hurts for you, knowing that if you are led astray like this, then Christ crucified means nothing. We've got to be careful, church. We've got to be careful because we're going into Boston, we're going into Cleveland, we're going to Africa, to Thailand, to Utah, all these places. We have to be careful to make sure that what we present is the true gospel because it's the only gospel that transforms lives. We've seen it. Paul says, listen, this is not man. This is not something that I got from the apostles. He talked about going to see the apostles in Jerusalem. After he had got the, the vision from Jesus, he went three years, he went to him and he said, this is it, and Peter approved. 14 years later, he goes back and they, again, Peter, James, and John say, man, praise God for what God is doing in you and you preaching. They approve of it. But Paul didn't need their approval. Why? Because he had the approval of Jesus Christ who sent him, set him apart, and chose him. Paul says, listen, church, listen, wake up. Go to, go to chapter three. Look at this, the strong words he uses. Chapter 3, verse 1. He begins to talk about this gospel that that is the true gospel. He says, you foolish Galatians. Can I put that in today's terms for you? This is pretty awesome. And I looked, this was actually um, in in concordance and stuff, and I just thought it was awesome. I thought, "This, this, this is better. Not that I'm trying to translate my own Bible, but listen to me. What Paul is saying to them is this. Are you just plain stupid? You get it now, right? You see the power that Paul is preaching from. He's saying, listen, don't be stupid. Don't don't even think this. You know better than this. And twice, here in about two or three verses, he calls them fools because he said, listen, this is stupidity. This is not the gospel. This is not a gospel. It is not good news at all. Quit it. Even in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he even says, he says, who bewitched you? Let me ask you this, how many, and, and probably more guys than girls. How many of you ever got the evil eye from your mom? Or maybe you're a mom and you've given the evil eye. I knew that evil eye and it had power. Basically what Paul is saying here, this bewitched, is, is saying that there's an evil eye, a, a, an overpowering, and there's a satanic thing in this, that in this wording, that evil eye to us is just mom giving us the evil eye, but there is a sense of this power. All of a sudden, someone moving into the church, giving them the evil eye, overpowering them, twisting and perverting the gospel that Paul once preached, Christ crucified, and that is it. Now they're saying, no, you've got to observe the law. You must be circumcised. Paul tries to correct them. He says, listen, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Later on, Paul says, I wish I could be there with you. Because you, you could imagine Paul would probably be in their face. Just like this, crying out, saying, did you not receive the Spirit of Christ because you believed what we preached, Christ crucified, faith only? Did, did, did you not? Or was it because you were obedient? Basically, Paul slamming them in the face going, listen, it wasn't because you were obedient. See, the law cannot bring righteousness. And and the Bible knows that. The Bible says that. Go go with me to um, to 3.19, chapter 3, verse 19. 
Let me show you this. He starts to talk about the gospel that we have. And first off, he talks about why the law. If it's not by observing the law that I'm saved, then why would he give us the law? In verse 19 in chapter 3, he says this. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed. Now that word, the seed, is it capitalized? That's important, right? There's a reason he capitalized that. Because it points to one. To whom the promise referred had come. What promise is he talking about, church? Back right over to to chapter 3, verse 6. And I'm going to show you what promise. Chapter 3, verse 6 in Galatians, it says this, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw what God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. When did he do that? How did he do that? What was the promise he was talking about about this seed? It was Genesis chapter 12. You remember the promise that God made to Abraham? You will be blessed, and all people, all people will be blessed through you and your seed. And right here we see that it wasn't about the law. You know how long further down the law came? 430 years later. Now one thing we have to understand, and this is all in Galatians. I encourage you to read the whole thing today or tomorrow. Go through the book because it's such a good book. 430 years later the law came in, but it was not to what? Cancel out the promise. That was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was not to say, hey, that promise didn't work. You know, the children of Israel, they've just failed me several times, and so we're just going to put the law in place, and this is going to be the new way. No, it was still the promise that God made. Now go back to in chapter 3, verse 21. We're still looking at the purpose of the law, and it says this, Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. Not opposed to it. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But it can't. Righteousness cannot come by the law, Paul says. Verse 22, but the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. I'm about to get to the purpose of the law and I want you to write this down. He says the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. 23, before this faith came, We were what? Held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. Purpose number one of the law, here it is, to guard. The law was put in place to guard us. To watch us. Listen, the law was not put in place to bring righteousness because God knew that it would not bring righteousness. It would not make us right. It would not make the children of Israel righteous. It was faith that did that. Still from back then, before Christ, faith made them righteous. Listen, right here he's saying that this law, it was, it was a guard, that we were held prisoners by the law, locked up. But look at this, circle this word, until. Until. See, there was a purpose, the law had a purpose, but there was something to come later. There was something that was to come. And it says this is its purpose, the law's purpose was to guard us, to hold us captive. You know, go to Romans, hold your finger right there. Go to Romans 11.32. Or you can just listen. Either way. This is good. Romans eleven thirty two, For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Whew. That's good. 
I'm going to read it again. Maybe you didn't hear it. For God has bound all men over to disobedience. Just, that's not good. But listen, so that he may have mercy on them all. Even in their disobedience under the law, held captive, guarded, he did that and he's going to show mercy to all nations, to all people. He told Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless everybody. Nations will be blessed through you because of your seed. The law was there to guard us, to hold us captive. But look at this, go back to Galatians. Here's the second purpose of the law. The law was a tutor. Verse 24, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. This idea that the law was just there to point us in the direction of Christ, to lead us to Christ. It was never there for us to gain righteousness by obedience. The tutor was not there to say, you did bad, do it again. You did bad, do it again. You did bad, do it again. That was my life. The tutor was there to point us. The tutor was there to lead us. See, in, in Greek times there, in this word, it was almost this, this tutor for moral development. To, to develop that boy, the young boy, into something. See, basically what, what this tutor is doing is saying, listen, the law is not here for you just to obey and gain righteousness. It is to, to wait until we're going to lead you to something else. We're going to lead you to this. And look what it says there in verse uh, 24. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be what? Justified by faith, not obedience, not observing the law, not circumcision, but by faith. Now that faith has come, listen to this. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under supervision of the law. That's good news. We are no longer prisoners to, to the law or sin, no longer being held captive to sin, no longer need a tutor to point us to Christ because now through faith, through faith, I've been justified. No longer in need of the law, but it is Christ, it's faith. So he goes on, he defends his authority and message. He, 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 he spills out this idea of why the gospel, because of the law, we needed the gospel message, we needed good news. And then he goes on this in verse 26. You remember that true faith in the true gospel does what? Truly transforms. Don't forget that. Listen to this. Verse 26 of chapter 3. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. These are those who have believed in faith, right? For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen? This is not an Israel thing. This is not a race thing. This is not a sex thing. Guess what? This is a nation's thing. This is God's people. All people will be blessed through the seed because of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, listen, this is not about Jews observing the law. This is not about doing things so that you can be justified and made right with God. This is about just believing Christ crucified for you. Nothing else. Paul says, listen, these people are trying to Jesus plus something else. What I'm preaching is this, Jesus plus nothing. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. True faith and the true gospel 
equals a transformed life, a new creation. He goes on in chapter 4, verse 4. Let me let's start at verse 3. So also when we were, un, we, were, we were children, when we were under the law, we were in slavery, under the basic principles of the world, verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, now get ready. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, what does it say? God has made you also an heir. Amen. Paul's crying out to this church, going, you, you've been misled. You have been deceived to think that there is anything you can do to gain God's approval. It's only because of what he did through Christ crucified. And all that, faith in all of that equals a transformed life. Equals a new creation. Equals being a son of God. No longer a slave. An heir with Christ. And the spirit of God living in us. No longer held captive by the law. No longer fearful of will God accept me? Because he's already accepted Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on my behalf. Church, my plea with you today is this. If you've been believing another gospel that is not even a gospel at all, my cry is this, that today you would believe. Today you would put your trust in Jesus Christ crucified for your sake. Today that you would begin to believe and trust in him and that you would believe in a true gospel that would truly transform your life. And let me tell you something. All those things you've been trying to do and all the things you've been trying to get rid of, all the burdens and all the sins you've been trying to quit, guess what? God will transform you into a new creation and he does all the work. I ain't got to do it. I'm no longer a slave to fear, to the law. Transform life. If I had 30 more minutes, I could finish this whole book and go through it. But he, he, he lists all these desires of the flesh. Then he goes on to list the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is what happens in us when we believe in a true gospel and he truly transforms us. We have love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have all those things living in us because now the Spirit of God dwells in us. But let me say this, in our churches today, there's a lot of people sitting in here that have believed in a different gospel and their lives are not transformed. How do you know that, Chris? Just check the fruit out on the tree. Yeah. You've sat beside some of them, haven't we? True faith and a true gospel truly transformed. But here's what you need to do. If you're sitting in here today and you say, you know what, I've never trusted in the true gospel of Jesus Christ and I've never been transformed 
by his gospel power and his spirit, and I want to do that today, then you come today. You accept Christ. You repent of your sins, and you put your faith in him alone. Don't leave here today without doing that because this is life or death. If you're sitting here today and and you've trusted in the true gospel and you believed in that and you've been transformed, then I would encourage you to keep praying, giving, and going. This is where, I got this from the IMB, but I think this is so fitting, what we're seeing in Boston, that the gospel, not necessarily left, because there's still a gospel mix going on. There's still people there with the gospel message that are telling people, but, but there's so far They're so far dead. The deadness is just incredible. You walk down the streets and you pass dead people all day long. No hope, no life. So my prayer is this, that listen, if God has transformed our life, then we won't keep it to ourselves. Right? See, God didn't save you for you. I don't know about you, but that shocked me when I first thought about that. Is I thought, well, God died on the cross for me. Guess what? No. He died on the cross for the world, for the nations. And his heart is that the gospel will continue to go to the nations. His heart and his passion is the gospel continue to be spoke and continue to be preached so that people's lives will be transformed. Your life was transformed for others. The gospel was brought to you. You believed and trusted in Jesus Christ, not so you could sit here in this comfortable building with AC or heat and padded pews and beautiful lights and chandeliers. See, God did not save you for that. God saved you for the gospel of others, for others to hear the gospel. So my encouragement is this. If you have the true gospel and you've believed and your life's been transformed, then you need to pray more, you need to give more, and you need to go more. And you know who you are in those three. This is not here to, to pump up my salary, to pump up you know, beautiful lawn here and make us look better here. This is so that the gospel can go to places that it's not. And the gospel, and people are dead, they need to hear the gospel. They need to know this transformation power. They need to see it. They need to hear it. And we have people ready to do that. We need more people. We need more people to go. We need more people to pray. I told you earlier, we need to pray for J.D. and his family, for all of our mission partners, because you know what? They don't get to sit here like this, like you do. During the week, it's not as easy for them. So I ask you to pray more, to give more, to go more. What is God going to do in response to what he's done in your life? If you are a born-again believer, no longer a slave, What are you doing with it? Chapter 6, he said this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Let us do good. Not just to do good, but to see lives transformed. So this morning, we're going to sing a song. As we sing this invitation song, I'm going to ask you to, to respond in one of two ways. I tell the LC this all the time. When we hear God's word, there should be a response. You hear me, church? When you hear God's word open and preached and because of what God's saying, there should be a response in your heart. So one of two things. Number one, maybe today you need to trust and believe in the true gospel. Let him transform your life. Today, let him transform your life. Number two, maybe it's pray, give, or go more. I, I, 
you know, some of you, you can't go. That's, I understand that. God knows that. But I can pray more. One of the greatest needs in the mission field is prayer. And you know what? We feel like we're home-based a lot of times here in America, and we're not doing a very good job. We need to pray more. We need to give more. Church, I, I, maybe I need to ask Keith to let me preach again, but you know what? We need to make some sacrifices. I, I'm talking to myself. We need to make some sacrifices here in the church, in American church. We need to sacrifice. If the gospel is going to transform lives, then we need to make some sacrifice. And, and then some of you probably, you've been sitting here and, and, and you've been antsy because he's like, he's going to talk about missions. He's the missions pastor. He's going to talk about going on trips. And you're right. Some of you need to just go. I'm going to tell you something. If God's transforming your life and you go, he's going to change you even a little bit more. Your heart's going to be broken for the lost. Your heart will be broken for the lost. Locally, globally, whatever, pray, give, and go more. That's what we're asking. So this morning as we sing, would you, make a, would you respond however you need to respond? Whatever God's saying in your heart right now, would you do that? Could you make that commitment? Say, God, I'll respond. God, you show me. You tell me. Because when we come to church, it's not about receiving. It's about giving. And so this morning, would you say, God, I'll give you my life? Whether it's by trusting in you, whether by praying and giving and going more, God, I'll do it. Because of what you've done, because how you saved me, you made me a son of God, you made me an heir to all things. Because of that gospel message, God, why would I not give you my life? Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, you know how we should respond. You know what we need to do this morning. And every single person in this room this morning, God, has heard your word, not just because of me, but because of you. God, I pray that no one in this building will leave, that, that they leave unaffected, God, that you would empower them and show them, God, what it is you want them to do today. What do they need to do in response to hearing your word? Maybe this morning they need to trust in you for the first time. They need to believe in the true gospel and be truly transformed. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to walk this aisle this morning. But God, maybe they say, you know what? I'm just not praying enough. I'm not giving enough. I'm not going enough. I need to do. Because of what you've done for me, because of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, Lord, I want to give my life to you. God, would you just move in this place as we sing this song. May you have your way with us right now. In Jesus' name.